You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats, Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols. We're all alone, man. All alone. As much as the rest of our crew loves college basketball, how is this even possible? (laughs) I feel like we ought to just derail everything and talk about baseball for two hours. Nothing about basketball. Nobody do. Uh, nobody to stop us, man. Nobody. Wow. Well, I promise we will give you our NCAA March Madness bracket advice. But first, I want to talk about Mike Trout. Who reports coming out that Anaheim is about to offer him four hundred and thirty million dollars over twelve years. Four hundred million. Isn't that something? Do you think uh, Bryce Harper is now like, darn it? No, I, you know what? Bryce Harper, in the end, I, I'm confused by the contract he signed. And, and and the numbers were baffling when you looked at him in total. But his average annual salary is significantly lower than Machado, yeah. significantly lower than Nolan Arenado, and now will be even much more insignificant when Trout inks this deal. When you look at it, we talked about – Bryce Harper relative to Machado. And I said if Machado's worth, you know, 30 plus million dollars a year, Bryce Harper's worth 50. Um Mike Trout when you look at it from 2012 to 2018, his war is 64 and a half over 1000 games. For those of you out there who aren't baseball geeks and has no idea what a, what war means, that's wins above replacement. And to give context over that same time period, 2012 to 2018, who do you think the second best player in baseball is in in terms of wins against replacement? Uh, Altuve. No. Buster Posey. Hmm. Buster Posey is second with a war of 45. Yeah, but war, war, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. That didn't take long. I've been I mean, waiting is, for you to set me up for it. Yeah, I appreciate that. That was dumb. What is it good for? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Love it. In. Sorry. Beautiful. How much Beautiful. Buster Posey doesn't, he makes like $25 million a year. I don't know that. what Buster Posey makes off the top of my head. But what I'm telling you is that Mike Trout, when you look at those guys, I mean, this guy's Joe DiMaggio. And even signing a 12-year deal will only well will only be he'll be 39 years old when that pact expires. Yeah, which one would think is long after he is the dominant superstar that he is today. But a war that is almost 50 percent higher than the second next best guy, mm. Manny Machado through that same stretch is about ninth on the list if I'm not mistaken, with with a little bit less than half of what Mike Trout has done. Trout is is a generational type player offensively, but he also is different from the rest of these guys that are at the sort of top of the mountain because he plays a premium defensive position. 
you know, when you're talking about shortstops, center fielders, and catchers, that's just next level. It speaks to, you know, how great Buster Posey has been and, you know, has three world championships, which is exactly three more than Mike Trout has. Um, I wonder, though, what Angels fans have got to think <coughs> with this deal. And I'm sure that they're, you know, giddy that Trout's locked up. But they haven't won anything since he's been the man. Yeah. And that's what worries me. Did they spend this amount of money? Who else can they afford to bring to it? Did they just cost themselves out? And so two comments. How long is this going to take before Mike Trout is underpaid again? Five years? In five years, this will be a reasonably good deal. I think if you look back five years ago, that was about the time Pujols and Votto got their huge deals. And at the time, well, people took, were like, oh, my God, what are you doing? These guys are going to be 40. When they, it took when one year for Pujols to well, be overpaid. Well, Pujols <laughs> was in a perfect situation in St. Louis. Yeah. Um, he was already trending downward. That's why the, the Cardinals were like, oh, you want to pay him what? Sure. Go ahead. We'll make another one just like him. Um, that's just how the Cardinals do. Uh, with Votto, the Reds looked at it and said, well, you know, we can lock this guy up. We have confidence that he's going to be good through most of this contract and really looking forward. They're like, yeah, $20 million a year. A few years down the road is going to look pretty good. And and frankly, when you look at him relative to a guy like Nolan Arenado, uh, Manny Machado, Votto's putting up superior numbers now. Last year was a bit of a down year power-wise, but, I mean, still a guy that's top three, top four MVP voting for the next few years moving forward and is a relative bargain at that price. Um, and the smaller market teams in particular really aren't in a situation where they can get out there and, well, we're just going to go sign the next big guy that hits the the market. I think some of these guys have got to be hesitant, too, because Trout, it had to be in his head. You know, obviously he wants to play in California. He doesn't seem to want out. But at the same time, the lukewarm response on the market relative to Machado and Harper had to give him pause. Yeah, And he's like, you know, in theory – Maybe I can go get $50 million, but somebody's got to pay that. And, you know, contrary to popular opinion, there is a salary cap in baseball. And when you're talking about 20% of that going to one guy, you get 24 other guys you got to field. And, oh, by the way, it looks as though rosters are going to expand by another spot here in the next year or two. Players Union and the league have come to an agreement uh, on a couple of things, but one of those looks like they're going to add a roster spot. Um, so it's very interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And the last point I want to make about Bryce Harper is I give him all the credit. He is probably one of the only – he's probably one of the top three faces of baseball or the future face of baseball. And I think he took this deal with it in mind that he would be able to draw more people in. So he doesn't have to sacrifice money later to get people. He's giving them enough leeway that they can afford to bring on more people. Well, and so I applaud him because he. They already said he he tried. The first thing he tried to do was talk to Mike Trout to come there when he was free. So and that was a report a week ago. So let him be like that. Don't be the guy that's taking the big money and handcuffing the team for the future. He's taking a little bit less. I, I mean, he's not. He's the highest I mean, paid I mean, guy. You're, you're, you're treating this guy like he took a hometown discount. You're talking about four hundred million dollars. Yeah, there, that's no discount. No, three. I mean, that's got to be at this at this three hundred thirty million. Bryce Harper took. I, I'm I'm talking about Mike Trout though. Trout, yeah. Well, shoot, I would have paid him five hundred. But well, that's the point though. Is at some point 
the NFL and the NBA are on upward trajectories in, in terms of revenues. Yeah. Major League Baseball is not on that same type trajectory. Attendance is down. Television ratings have tanked. There has got to come a point in the next few years where you're going to see the the economics in baseball constrict a little bit. Um, at some point, we're going to see, I, I honestly believe, at some point in the next couple of years, and maybe this is it, maybe it's Trout, we're going to see what stands as the biggest deal in baseball history and stays in that spot for 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Sort of like the A-Rod deal. Remember when he signed for a quarter billion dollars? That was the gold standard for years and years and years and years down the road. I think this may be it. If that's all the market's going to yield for a guy as big as Bryce Harper, I think that this is probably the tipping point and that Mike Trout's contract, when it's said none, whatever the number is, is going to be the biggest deal that we see in baseball for the next 10 or 15 years, and maybe ever, because I really think baseball is going to decline. The ad revenues right now that are propping up these TV deals are artificial. And as millennials become the primary buying market, they are not baseball fans. They are also not going to pay for that product on their televisions, which is going to cut into Major League Baseball's revenue. And we, you know, Brandon loves to say, and is not wrong when he does, baseball's fan base is dying off year by year by year. you know, their go-to demographic is probably 55 to 70-year-old men. Well, those guys aren't going to be around forever. And I think baseball, unless something changes dramatically, will continue its slip. Uh, whereas, you know, football in the, in the NBA doesn't seem to be any end in sight. Well, and I think we've already seen that with how long it takes to get these top players off the market. Yeah. I mean, it takes the NFL – Two days before you can get signed, yeah, for right. The top free agents to get off the market. And, you know, it takes baseball up until spring training. Yeah. Can you imagine whoever the biggest free agent in the NFL? Can you imagine if it was three days into training camp before he got signed? Well, think about it. Le'Veon that would Bell never happened. Le- Le'Veon Bell was that guy this time around. You're talking about a guy who, if he puts up the same type numbers he has throughout his career, is an absolute first ballot Hall of Famer. Um. You know, I don't know if it's fair to call him a generational talent at, at, at his position, but is among the top two or three in the sport at the running back spot. All the notoriety and hoopla that follows him around. And, yeah, basically 24, 48 hours into the process, the Jets were like, dude, take this money or leave it, period. That's how it's going to be. The other thing, too, though, with football is you've seen that the sky is not the limit anymore. Some of these guys have got some fat deals. We talked about the Nick Foles contract, and I think Foles was a special situation. I think he got paid beyond his value as a player. But Foles was in a position, he doesn't, he, he seems to have made enough money where he's like, money's not the big deal. And I really just as soon stay here in Philly as the backup and compete for a championship. If you want me to come someplace else and be a starter on a bad team, it's going to cost you. And good for him. He parlayed it into 20-plus million a year. I think it's a horrible deal for Jacksonville, but I don't get to run an NBA franchise. You know who does get to run – or an NFL franchise. You know who does, though? Who? Dave Gettleman. And I think this dude – This dude is something else. Carolina fans do not have fond memories of the Dave Gettleman era as the GM there. He goes to New York, and I don't know what Eli Manning's got on this dude, but it's powerful. 
Manning would seem to be the albatross hanging around the, the necks of that franchise. And I want to I want to make this clear. I've, I've read a lot and heard a lot. People saying, well, Eli Manning's overpaid at this point in his career. He's not overpaid. He just sucks. $17 million a year puts him in the bottom third of what starting quarterbacks are making in the NFL, which is probably more than he deserves because he's probably bottom 15% at best. Um, and he's there. And as long as he is there in New York – He's going to hold that franchise hostage. And he's making $2 million more a year than uh, Tom Brady. Well, there you go. But he's also not selling boxed meals or any of the other things that Tom Brady's doing on the side. And he's not married to Giselle. As who's, who's, who's got it pointed out that was talking about Brady and was like, well, yeah, he's got Giselle, though, that makes all the money. He can afford to pay. Brandon. Brandon and me last week. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. She makes $83 million a year. Who cares what I make? If my wife made $83 million a year, A, I wouldn't be working. B, But if who you cares? were working, you'd do it for, like, really cheap, Less. right? Yeah. Actually, no, 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 I take that. No, 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 no. No, wait a minute. I, I, I guess I would have to qualify that and say if I could be the quarterback for an NFL team, I would do it for cheap. But anything else in the world, it would cost you twice what the market value was to get me out of bed. If you could be the starting quarterback – of the Cincinnati Bengals and go to the playoffs and win Super Bowl, you would take five million a year. One dollar. One dollar. One dollar. See, that's the thing. Any team, if you In could, fact, I, if you I could be pay. the utility guy on the Cincinnati Reds, yeah, you wouldn't. It a wouldn't buck. matter. Yeah, I mean, even if I never got an at bat, I would have the best seats in the entire house every game. One hundred and sixty-two games a year. Pay me thirty five thousand a year, and I'll make my wife make up the rest that we need to survive. There you go. And I'll sit. I'll do whatever. Yes. Whatever. Yeah. I I'm mean, in. that's just real talk. But those two things aside, any other job you wanted me to do, it costs you at least double market value. So maybe maybe five times market value to get me to do it. I need to understand Gettleman's philosophy. They are rebuilding. So they're at the end of the Eli Manning era. They are. And we'll talk about the end of the Eli Manning era or the end of the OBJ era, whichever way you look at it, on the other side of the break. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to Central Carolina from the Cheap Seats. Chris Lambert, Brandon, uh, Brandon. Brandon Atkins is not here. What? No. Brandon Atkins is actually opening the brand new Cooper's Wine Room and Restaurant. Right now. Right. Like, as we very- sit here, I can smell the food from right here. It's two hours and 21 minutes into their first dinner service. Have you got reservations yet? Uh, no. I will be making reservations before the end of the night for next Wednesday. Hmm. 
Yeah, we've already, my wife and I, we, every, every other Wednesday, we visit a restaurant we've never been to somewhere in the region. And, uh, that's going to be our excuse to get over there next Wednesday. Get this off the list, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and, you know, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Yeah. But you know, a week that'll give them a, uh, a week to kick off the training wheels, you know? Yeah. I'm excited I about it. I wouldn't touch it for a while. I don't. I want everyone else to enjoy it, and then I'm going to go. And once it's settles be there down, every day, sitting at the bar. Yeah, I've I've been through these opening restaurant stuff. It's not fun. So <laughs> I'm going to let them settle in. And I've been through it one time, and I'm obviously a lot smarter than you. Yes, because once was all it took, and I was like, I don't want to do this is, again. No, it's yeah, not it's something. Me. It's amazing how many restaurant patrons think that they are restaurant operators or experts, isn't it? Well, every single person has done my job and done it better. Of course they have. It's fine. And how many times does somebody say something nice to you? Not nearly enough. Right? Not nearly enough. You're a great guy, Trent. You're doing a heck of a job, Trent. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to go to these accounting offices, and I'm going to go up there and be like, listen, I've done accounting for years, and I know this is not how you do it. Well, here, here's the – no, you, you phrased that all wrong. I've never been an accountant, but I've been pretty good at math all my life. And let me tell you something about you that you don't know. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. Uh, all right, so the Dave Gettleman thing that's going on in New York. Now, here's – I want to I say something first. Gettleman has never drafted a quarterback – that has been successful in the NFL in his entire career as a GM, period. So, Gettleman is of the belief that you build an NFL roster from the inside out. Your lines are what it's all about. So, hidden in that Beckham Jr. deal was Kevin Zeitler, who's a pretty doggone good guard. Drafted in the first round in Cincinnati, had a great run there, left via free agency to Cleveland. It's been good, really. Now will be an anchor in that line. That's the first step for him. The thought process amongst folks is, well, you know, the Giants have got two first-round picks in this year's draft, 6 and 17. 6 is their own, 17 is the pick they got from Cleveland. The belief, I think, that's out there is they're going to draft a quarterback and they're going to let him sit for a year behind Eli and then trot him out with this new Golden Tate-led receiving core, Kevin Zeitler anchored offensive line and that's going to be the route they go I disagree 1000% I don't think that's what's going to happen I think that you'll see interior players taken with these picks maybe not with the 6 but with the 17th and impact players to build around whomever it ends up being but when I look at this draft Kyler Murray may be a transformational type talent that takes the NFL by storm and redefines the position. He may be that guy. We're going to find out. The Cardinals brass met with him again today. You've got to think at this point they're going to take him number one. You have to think that. Now, if that is the case, I think Josh Josh Rosen can probably be had for a third-round pick. They've got to get him out of the building. They cannot keep this guy there with Kyler Murray. That'll be a disaster. Rosen's a knucklehead to start with a disgruntled knucklehead getting in the way in the quarterback room every day with Kyler Murray is a a recipe for disaster. Secondly, most teams around the NFL are finally, all these years later, starting to figure it out. 
you need to bring in a backup that runs an offense similar to your starter. That's a recipe for success. Josh Rosen and his skill set are nothing like what Kyler Murray's are. If they draft Kyler Murray and build an offense around him, Josh Rosen cannot come behind him and run that same offense. He's a completely different type ball player. Yeah. So they have to get Rosen out of the building. And whether it takes a second, a third, a fourth, a combination of picks, I don't know. But it's not going to cost you a one, which is really the only premium pick in the NFL draft. So given this class of quarterbacks behind Kyler Murray, if I'm the Giants and I've got at least one year to develop somebody – Rosen is the guy. Yeah, why not? Rosen has more arm talent than Dwayne Haskins, than Daniel Jones, than Drew Locke, than any of these guys that are coming down the pipe. It's a bad quarterback class. The three best quarterback prospects in the country are in college right now, other than Kyler Murray. With Tua, Trevor Lawrence, who's got two years left, and then Herbert out at at Oregon, those guys are the best quarterback prospects in America, and they're not available. Haskins... I got to think that when talent evaluators peel that tape apart, they've got real questions about him. He spent a lot of time at Ohio State throwing the ball to wide open receivers. He is not particularly athletic. He is not particularly um, accurate. Got a pretty big arm. He probably can, you know, improve his mechanics and work on his accuracy. Um, won some big ball games there at Ohio State, but it's not like he was hoisting national championship trophies. Uh, if you want a winner, you have to go back a couple years before him with R.J. Barrett. So I don't know that Haskins is worthy of the sixth pick, and he's not going to make it to 17. So the, he's the only guy really in the conversation. When you look at Ryan Finley, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, the rest of those guys, man, sit on your second and wait and figure out who falls. Because none of those guys have can't-miss potential written on them. This is not a class from a couple years ago with Trubisky and Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes um, and I do have to throw it out there right. I missed on Pat Mahomes. I had thought, no idea. I thought the Chiefs were idiots for trading up to get him. What do I know? It's Andy Reid. So maybe we'll look back at this six months from now or 18 months from now and say, well, Dave Gettleman knew what he was doing and, you know, whatever. But um, your thoughts on what's going on with the Giants right now? I just, I'm just perplexed that if you're rebuilding and you have your – franchise running back on a rookie deal and you have a top three wide receiver on your team that is signed long term you know you're going to go after a quarterback why would you eliminate one of those positions who better to help a young quarterback than having an elite wide receiver there there's two sides to this argument one is, yeah, you want to have a top-shelf weapon for this kid to learn you know, and throw to and can get open and can stretch the field and make life easier for him. Absolutely, that's 100% true. The other thing is that there was security with Odell Beckham. He's one of those guys signed to a big deal. That deal's going to get cheaper and cheaper as every year goes by. However, the problem that you have to look at with that is that Odell Beckham comes with a lot of baggage. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> Steve Smith was let go by Carolina three or four years ago. It wasn't because he wasn't any good anymore. It was because he sucked the air out of the room in the offensive meetings and in the huddle and was constantly in Cam's ear. Get the ball to me, dog. I'm open. Get the ball to me. What are you doing? Get the ball to me. 
Steve Smith is a gamer and a tough guy. A little bit of diva in him. Odell Beckham Jr., if Steve Smith made life rough for Cam Newton, can you imagine how much crying and complaining Odell Beckham Jr. would do if the offense wasn't running well? And to compound that, that offense as it stands now has got to be Saquon Barkley-centric for the next few years. You got a guy that may be a Hall of Fame potential running back over the next couple of years, you're going to have to feed the guy. And there's only so many footballs to go around. Now, if I have my choice of security blankets for my young quarterback that I'm bringing in, I'm taking Barkley over Beckham every single day of the week. Up to this point, Barkley looks like he's a good citizen. You know, he's doing his thing. He's dynamic. Um, you know, it's great to have all that star power on the field and have him and Beckham at the same time. Well, can you and, imagine Beckett and Rosen in the same locker room? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, and whether it's Rosen or Haskins, whoever they bring in, I, I think dealing with that guy is going to take a lot. Now, that's the part of this Cleveland deal. Everybody's crowing about how great Cleveland did. And on paper, when you look at it, I'm like a first and a third for one of the top five wide receivers in football. Yeesh. That's a great deal for Cleveland. But, dude, let's take a look at Cleveland. Baker Mayfield won seven ball games last year. He beat one winning team in those seven games. Down the stretch in the second half of the season, yes, he was top five in terms of efficiency and yardage and all the rest of that. He played garbage teams in a couple of those games. They managed to put up seven wins. They are being anointed right now in every corner of the sports universe as your potential AFC champions next year. Give that a rest. I think they are Do you potentially really? the AFC champions. I year. think you're bananas. No way. I really do. Let these guys show that they can do this. I mean, you've got, well, you've got some big attitudes there. You've got some big personalities. Baker Mayfield trying to manage it. Freddie Kitchens in his first year as a head coach. Good luck. We'll talk about a little bit more on the other side. NCAA basketball coming up. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. 
You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. All right, welcome back from Cheap Seats right here in Sanford, North Carolina. Chris Lambert, Trent Nichols in the house today. And I feel a little self-conscious with the video cameras running. Do you? Yeah, I really do. Um, oh, I'm used to it. Yeah? Yeah. How so? Because we live stream at home all the time. We're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're always there. Uh, I don't good. do anything at my house that's worthy of live streaming. <laughs> Uh, so you guys know the whole story about the brick wall that went up. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been yeah. busting about that for a couple of days. Are you done? Uh, sort of. Sort what? Of. Done enough to pass for now. So I ordered 14 cases of brick. I needed 15. Oh. So I had to leave a little gap, but I put it such that the headboard covers it. It looks great. It looks really good. I'll, I'll bring you a picture. Is Nedge okay with it? Uh, Nedge loves it. I mean, she's cool with it, but she was of no help through the entire process. Well, she did watch that video she's on good. YouTube on well, how to do it. She did. And, and, and today I get home, and the last case of brick is sitting on my porch when I come through the door. Yeah. And I notice as I pull up that the box is there, and I'm like, cool. And then as I get out of the car, I realize there's a second thing on my porch too. And I'm like, oh, that's what that is. So we have a little, you've been in the house. We have a little sort of breakfast area adjacent to the kitchen. Yeah. And uh, we have a tall table over there. And and my wife, who just had the carpet ripped out of our living room area, has bought her third rug in the course of a week and a half to cover the the little area rugs. There you go. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that we spent all that money to rip out the (laughs) carpet so that we could put carpets down. But anyway, the there's, vacuum's got to do something. Right. So there's this rug there, and I look at it, and it dawns on me that my wife believes that this is an equitable relationship because she believes in her heart of hearts that her ordering a rug off the internet is equal in terms of effort expended to me spending five and a half days <laughs> building a brick wall for her. I, I, I finally made sense of that, and now I'm at peace with it. Okay. And I understand. That's what the issue is. Is She's like, I'm doing my part, dude. What are you talking about? Click, click, done. You're good. I got it. So whatever. Um, I do have to say that she's she's a pretty accomplished decorator. She missed her calling. She should have been a designer. Um, we have – I got to she, – she came up with an idea, and she hit me up with it. And, and I know – I know my wife well enough that I've got her figured out. So this weekend she hits me and she says, well, I want to show you something, but I don't think you're going to like it because it's kind of crazy. But I want to see 
what you think. Now, at face value, that's, I know you very well, Chris. I have a, uh, an idea of what you like and what you don't like. And this is too extreme, so I need you to talk me off the ledge. Does that sound like what she was saying to me? No. No, it was absolutely no, not. What not was she all. saying? She was saying, I love this. I don't really care. Nope. But I'm going to pretend to get your blessing. Nope. She's smarter than that. And she's smarter than you too, obviously. Because what she was doing was she was laying the groundwork that I was going to look at something so extreme that I was going to be repulsed by it. So that's how I fixed my mind. Oh, so then you looked at it and goes, oh, that ain't that bad. Exactly. And then she could get it. Yes. And that's exactly what happened. No. And I thought about it afterwards and I was like, I just got got. Ah. Zooted. Yeah. So there you go. Nice job. Women smarter than men all the time, well, every day. Duh. So she got me. So what she what she wants to get is it's the women's equivalent of a fathead. You know, when fatheads started, they were all sports stuff, right? Yeah. Well, that technology has crept over into every part of design. So what she is going to buy, I'm certain, is a mural. Of Queen Elizabeth with neck tattoos and tattoos on her face. It's dope. Really? Yeah, and it's like eight foot by eight foot. We have the perfect wall for it to go on. It will be amazing. But I'm like, yeah, you got me. Wow. And I didn't even know what she was doing. Now I'm prepared the next time she pulls that <laughs> off. But you know, you know I'm ADD. I'm gonna have forgotten this whole dialogue that we just had. Oh yeah. Fifteen minutes after the show's over. And she'll do it again three or four days from now. And I'll be so, like, oh, she got me again. The biggest mistake in this whole conversation is uh-huh. that you said you know your wife well enough. You figured her out. And then you totally just contradicted <laughs> yourself because she got you. You, we, we can never. That's They always tell you do not get comfortable because when you get comfortable – that's when they're going to come and they're going to fire you. Well, you just did that. I figured it out. I know her. Boom. I think the you key know, here is, nothing. though, I think the key is just that I know my wife's smarter than I am. Okay. Well, that is true. you got to know that. And, and I know that when it is all said and done, my wife in every circumstance is going to get what she wants. Yeah. That's, it's just a matter of whether she's going to wait me out whether she's going to trick me or whether she's just going to do it in spite of me, it's going to happen, especially as it applies to something in the house. She's she's a believer, in, and Oprah is the problem here. She read an article or saw something, but Oprah is affixed to it anyway. But Oprah put forth to women across the country and the world that they should make their house the one place in the world they want to be. It doesn't... Nobody's ever said that to men, and men are not included in that. What about My wife believes caves? it, and she is going to make that happen. What about our man caves? Dude, first of all, the, the term man cave just shows how lame we are. <laughs> when you get relegated to one spot in the house, whether it's you know your study your man cave is such a horrible term. How many caves have you walked in like, oh my God, I want to spend all my life in this cave. I don't know. I was I, I got an ex-wife that had me to the point where I would have preferred to live well, in a cave yeah. cave than with her. So there you go. Um, no offense to ex-wives out there. No. 
Sure. None taken. Um, anything going on in college basketball this week? Not that I'm aware of. No. All right. Well, let's move. No, I'm just playing. Um, the brackets have been announced. Yes, they have. Um, I'm going to ask you before we even start this, who's going to win the national championship? Just like that. Just like that. Just huh? like that. Who's going to win the national championship? I think that I am sipping on the Kool-Aid that most of America is. You're sipping on that Z-flavored Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm staying with the brotherhood. You know you know what? Now that I think about it, the athlete that Zion Williamson most resembles in terms of body type might be the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> I mean, he's a big, thick dude. Remember they you know, they had the things where he had like the, the headband on? Yeah. I, yeah. Dis- I, I disagree. I think, uh, to me, he reminds me of Blake Griffin when Blake was in college. That's a, that's not a half-bad comparison. Because I hadn't thought about that. But when that I was watching one. him against Carolina, he's kind of like – he's he. I don't really like his shooting form, and he definitely has to get better at the, the free throw shooting. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he's all this magical dunks and all that stuff that I'm like, eh, maybe he's going to be like a Blake Griffin. The difference between he and Griffin is that Zion is more adept at putting the ball on the floor. Um, Blake Griffin could finish on the break and do it spectacularly, but he was pretty much a post player when he was at Oklahoma. He was an amazing talent. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away, but that is a really good comparison. And in terms of guys in the last 15 years or so, I think it's a real apt comparison. I had he had never jumped into my head. So I think it's a lot closer than the LeBron type. Well, comparison. the funny thing is, is that early on this season, people were like, "Well, he's like Kendrick Perkins was in college, or big, you know, Glenn Davis, and these uh, big post players that were very one dimensional." Like, no, 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 not at all. This guy can play really the two. Yeah. Um, amazingly skilled with the ball in his hands for that size, and I I can't even imagine. We used to play a game when I was in high school, and you know it would be either or. And the one that we would always come back to in that day and age, would you rather be run over by Bo Jackson or punched by Mike Tyson? Mm. And Zion Williamson is in that class now. And, in fact, I think I'd rather be run over by Bo Jackson than by Zion Williamson. I can't imagine taking a charge from that kid when he's got a full head of steam. I mean, that that would detach your retinas and knock your fillings well, out of your mouth. The Carolina game, that referee almost died. <laughs> if Zion didn't pull up a little bit, that ref was scared. He almost jumped into the third row to get out of his way. He could have died. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in class today at Central, which is in Durham. Shares a city with Could Duke. be playing Duke. I know, which really Walk sucks. Up. Because I had it in my head before the brackets were released. You're gonna I'm just going to pencil Central into the Sweet 16. But no, they get Duke in the first round. No, yeah. they do not get to Maybe. go. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, assuming they get past North what North Dakota State. Something like that. Yeah. Playing. I got games. them in the playing game. So then they can say, yeah, they won, even though it really didn't count. It's kind of stupid. NCAA, get your stuff together with Brogan. But yeah, come on, man. You got schools that share a city. Why would you do that, man? Match them up in the first round? Come on, man. That's that's lame. And I'm going to go back to what I've said a million times before this year. If you insist on having these play on, playing games, the playing games have to be given to at-large teams. This is crap, taking conference champs and making them play into the tournament. I hate it. 
NCAA fix that. It's not fair. Um, and you're playing games. Get underway. Um, tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow night. You've got – No, tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, you got two of them tonight yeah. and two of them tomorrow. Yeah. So, Belmont at Temple. Belmont gotten at large. Um, and well-deserved, by the way. Um they got in at large after losing to Murray State in their championship game. Mm-hmm. The crazy part about how the seedings work is Belmont gets an 11 seed. They lost to Murray State in the finals of their conference tournament. Murray State's a 12 what? and doesn't have to play in a playing game. Nope. Dude, explain that to me. I, I have no idea. I, I don't get it at all. It doesn't make any sense. There is no universe in which that makes any sense. The only sense it makes is that the 12 is that magical seed. I, you know, that's perfect, and that's exactly what I was going to say sense. next, is that 12s always beat 5s, Yeah. and I think this year is no exception. I think Murray State gets through that. I actually I actually have them beating Marquette, Murray State, in so the first do I. round. Yeah. That's why we're twins. Well Boom. done. All right, but the playing games, uh, Carolina Central – my alma mater, Your my alma. beloved Central. The Eagles, they're going to get past North Dakota State, and then they get to run up into Duke and get beat by 40. Hmm. Farley Dickinson plays Prairie View. Belmont plays Temple, and Arizona State plays St. John's. Arizona State's got to be feeling lucky. Hmm. You know, the Pac-12 looked last week like they might only get one one team into the tournament. They finally, in the end, got three, Washington, Oregon, and Arizona State. But Arizona State, for all their efforts, gets to play St. John's to get in. And I think – I don't have it in front of me, but off the top of my head, I think St. John's had to play in last year too. Ooh, I'm not sure. I think they did. Hmm. I feel like they played – I don't know. I I just feel like they played in last year. Anyway, which which region would you like to start with? I'm going to give you the choice. East, South, West, Midwest. Let's uh, let's go west and west. work our way back. West, west, west. All right, you got it up. You you looking? I'm ready. All right, you're tracking. I'm not going to dwell on the games that are chalk. Gonzaga gets through the first round, no doubt. Yep. I'm taking Syracuse over Baylor just because Syracuse is such an unbelievably bad matchup for anybody. It doesn't matter how good or bad Syracuse is in the regular season. In their worst year, they can beat teams in the first couple rounds of the tournament because that zone drives people nuts and wants to, makes them want to poke their eyes out. Um, Marquette, Murray State. You said you've got Murray State coming out of there. Let me tell you something. Murray State, if you folks at home have not seen John ja Morant play basketball yet mm. this year, you absolutely have to find your way to a television set and watch Murray State in the first round. I'll tell you a little bit more about it on the other side. You're watching and listening to From the Chiefs. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. 
I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Talking about the NCAA tournament, Western quadrant of the West region. Uh, John Morant, this guy is a cool story, man. And in in the age of one and dones, where the vast majority of kids coming into college come with a great deal of hoopla out of the high school slash AAU factories and come to school with the idea of being there for 15 minutes and going to the NBA, John Morant is a kid that got recruited by no one. He's a sophomore there at Murray State, 6'3", maybe the most explosive guard in the country. This kid has Russell Westbrook-type athleticism. Oh, yeah. He can put the team on his back for 40 minutes yes, easily. He, he absolutely can, and that's what he's going to have to do if Murray State's going to do anything. But those of you who haven't seen Ja Morant yet this year, this kid – I am going to predict today that Morant is the second player taken in the NBA draft behind Zion Williamson. There are actually folks out there floating the idea that Morant should be taken number one. In most years, I wouldn't have beef with that, but Williamson is so huge in terms of personality, draw, brand, everything else. You you can't pass on this kid. This kid is an industry of him uh, unto himself. He may sign the biggest rookie sneaker deal in the history of shoes. Um, he will bring people into the stands. He'll bring people into the stands when he's on the road. This kid is going to be something else. And if he plays up to his potential and stays healthy, I, it's not a stretch to say this kid may not be one of the best five players to ever play if he plays up to that potential and stays healthy. He is transformational. I was thinking – Last night, who to compare Williamson to in terms of draft prospects and their supposed can't-miss status? I've got to go back to David Robinson. And even in the David Robinson draft, which, man, I don't even know what year it was. It had to be 86, something something like that, 87. Um, The David Robinson issue was that he had to go to the academy. Now, had he not gone to the Naval Academy – or and into the Navy after graduating years, from Naval yeah. Academy. Um, God knows how much bigger the hoopla could have been, but there was no doubt, even with his commitment to the Navy, there was never even a serious conversation about anybody going number one. David Robinson was that good, and his talent was going to translate to the NBA. There was no question about it. People want to say Jordan. Jordan wasn't even the first player taken in his draft. He's drafted mm-hmm. third. And anybody that says that coming out of college there was that much hoopla associated with Jordan is misremembering. Well, no, you're history. forgetting about LeBron, though. That was going to bring me to LeBron. Yeah, LeBron. Here's my thing: it's easy from this point, 14 years into the future, 
to say that LeBron was a stone-cold lock to go number one, but there was a legit case made by people to take Carmelo number one. Hmm. And, of course, the Pistons turned everything on its ear and took Darko Milicic instead of Carmelo with the second pick. And that Pistons team was a world championship team. Had Melo gone to that team with Chauncey Billups, um, Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton, those guys, and learned to play the game the right way, to play both ways, that is not a team that would have stood for any nonsense. It may have changed the trajectory of everything. I mean, Carmelo might really be something that he never became, but that's neither here nor there. But Zion Williamson, there is real legit talk that's not going to come to to fruition. I mean, he will be the number one player. So you taken. think Ja will be number two? I really think he may be. Okay. And it's going to depend on the fit. I'll tell you right now that if Phoenix gets the second pick, cancel Christmas. If you put Ja Morant onto that team with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, oh my God. Does he need to perform? Do they need to win this game? For him to be that high in the draft. Winning this game doesn't mean a thing. And here's the reason. He's going to match up with Marcus Howard, Mm -hmm. who is one of the best scorers in the country, but he's an undersized kid at 5'11". He's the biggest player of the year. He is. 25 points per game. One of the few people that's outscoring um, John Morant, who averaged 24.6. The problem is, is that if he goes out against Marquette and puts up 40, Win or lose, it's not going to change anything. Personnel guys have already seen him, whatever. Here's the thing, though. If he gets into the second round and gets an opportunity to play against Florida State, that will have an impact one way or the other, a dramatic impact. Because that's a long team that is going to push him up and down the floor. They're going to challenge him every time down the floor both ways. His performance against Florida State, if he goes out there and puts up 25 or 30 and Murray State keeps it close, then he's locked. Florida State beats Vermont. Well, that I mean, everything has to fall that way. But I'm saying that Florida State has NBA-type players on that that roster, um, some of whom will legitimately be NBA players. But they have length. They have athleticism. They will pose a challenge he hasn't seen from anybody he's played this year. If he is able to do it against – Florida State, whether win or lose, and he has a good showing, I think that solidifies his position. If he goes out there and gets locked down, you could see him tumble, and everybody will chalk it up and say, "Well, it would, you know, he's playing against inferior competition out there." You know, the OVC is what it is. That's the problem. You know, Marquette's lost five out of their last six. It's hard for a team to get on track in the NCAA. You want to be on track getting into the tournament. So I think Murray State's a very big opportunity to win this. Florida State, Vermont. Well, let's talk about the 12-5 spot for a second because that's, you know, folks at home, we said we were going to give you rules to live by. We're not going to tell you who you have to pick, but you have to choose at least one 12-5 upset. You have to do not turn in a bracket unless you've chosen one 12-5 upset or you're just going to get your heart broken. Yeah. I would suggest you choose two. That's your first rule of the day. Yep. You you hit on any of your rules yet? No, I mean that was that's my rule. I mean, I said pick 3, but this year it looks like I've picked 2 out of the 4 12 seeds. You picked 2 of them? Yep. Um so did I. So did I. We'll see if we had the other one the same. But like I said with Murray State and John Morant, if you only see one game in the first round, 
and it's not somebody you have a rooting interest in, make sure it's Murray State. You have to watch this kid play. He is out of control. He is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the athleticism. And the thing is, is when you see when you hear 24.6 points a game, in this day and age, you assume, ah, yeah, well, he's shooting, you know, all these threes. No, the kid's hitting a three-pointer a game. <laughs> he is not a sharpshooter. He will drive, he will finish, he will get the ball to the 10. The kid is a he is a throwback player with amazing athleticism, plays both ways. I have read in three places in the last two days that John Morant is the first player or will be the first player since fill-in-the-blank year to average 20 points and 10 assists in a season. Now, not the least of which was Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report said I think he'd be the first Division I player since 1985. Now, here's the situation. Do you know when assists became a stat in the NCAA? Uh, 1982. 83-84. That was a good guess. Very good guess. I have scoured the NCAA database. I've been all over the place with sportsreference.com. I've been everywhere. I cannot find another player in the history of college basketball that has averaged 20 points and 10 assists per game. There are some guys that if you round up are close, but 20 points and 10 assists is something I cannot find anybody has done. If you know somebody, if, if I'm missing somebody and I'm just looking past those guys, email us at cheapseatradio at gmail.com. Cheapseatradio at gmail.com. If you find somebody that I missed, I'll send you a T-shirt. Guaranteed. But here's the situation. This kid, and, and now, granted, it's only been a stat now since 83, but that's 35 years. Nobody in 35 years in college basketball not at a small school, not at a mid-major, not in power conference, has averaged 20 points, 10 rebounds. This kid's doing it as a sophomore with a team behind him that is not very good. He's carried this team to 27-4. and four. They are hot. You said Marquette's lost four five or five, out of six. five out of six? Yep. Dude, if you don't take Murray State at home, you're doing it at your own peril. Just telling you, Murray State will be the 12-5 upset. And it's almost like, if you look at the bracket, like I said, with Belmont being an 11 and having to play in Murray State, it doesn't make any sense, but it's almost as if the NCAA is like, we already see the 12-5 upset. We're going to manipulate this. We're just going to keep the trend going. So Murray State, your 12-5 there. Um, See if there's anything else I want to spit out about Murray State. Looked up all kinds of stuff about these guys. Um no. No, there you go. All right. But there are three losses this year, or there are four losses. Bama and Auburn got them early in the season. They lost to Belmont, who's a tournament team, and they lost to Jackson, Jacksonville State, um, who finished the season 24-9. and nine. So no bad losses out there. Murray State, your squad, taking this 12-5 upset. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. Got the second hour coming up. And uh, we're talking college hoops right now. And as we're recording this show, Prairie View A&M is blowing out Fairleigh Dickinson. Do I have that right? They're up 12. Well, and here's what here's what we do for fun. <laughs> we were quizzing each other, trying to figure out what states Farley Dickinson and Prairie View were in. I knew Prairie View, and the only reason I knew Prairie View is that used to be sort of the farm system for the big Texas schools when Prop 48 became a thing. Hmm. When they had non-qualifiers, Prairie View was a place that they would send guys to play. That and Tyler Junior College, some places like that. I thought you were born there. I was not born in Prairie View, Texas, nor did I attend Prairie View A&M. Oh, I thought you were recruited out of there. No, it would have been cool if I had, though, because they are the Panthers, the Prairie View Panthers. And when I was a little kid, when I was about five years old, I asked my grandmother if instead of calling me Chris, she would call me Panther. Ooh. She would not oblige me, and it didn't go anywhere. But I tried for a couple weeks, and I told her, when you call me to come home and come into the house, don't don't yell, Chris, yell Panther. <laughs> and she wouldn't do it, man. My grandmother hated me. I don't know what's I don't know what's up with that. Your grandma's mean. All right, she was. Did, did I tell you? Now you'll you'll be able to appreciate this because you grew up a baseball fan, correct? Yeah. So I went one of the years I was staying with my grandparents. I lived with them for a few years. I went to Kings Island, which is the big amusement park in in Ohio. Mason, Ohio. Oh, looky there. Home of the Wileys, well, my sister Indiana and you, you know, brother-in-law there. live there. So you've been there. You've ridden the beast. A lot, absolutely. All right, cool. So I go to Kings Island with some friends of the family. Roll out there, my best friend at the time, Will Crew. Will, if you're listening, what's up? And we did one of the games where radar guns were just becoming a thing. And if you threw a ball, they would they would time it. And then if you were able to match that speed within a mile or an hour or two a couple more times – you want a batting helmet. Well, I want a batting helmet. Hmm. Now, understand that I am not just a Reds fan. I come from a family of very hardcore Reds fans, like deep Red fans. My grandmother was the leader of the, the mafia of Reds fans in the family. And, in fact, she used to schedule dinner around Reds games so that she could listen on the radio without having to 
you know, have any disruptions. Now, she was willing to cook while the Reds were on, so she would time it so that she could cook, listen to them on the radio in the kitchen, but she would also keep score at the same time. Wow. And at the end of the year, well, at the end of, of every ball game, the next day the local paper would run a write-up of the Reds game. And whoever the player was, player of the game was that the paper chose, they would put a little headshot next to the story. And she would cut that out, and she would paste it into the back of the scorebook. And at the end of the season, she would have two or three scorebooks that she had gone through, and every one of them was plastered with these players wow, of the game that is photos. Really in them. cool. And when she passed away, there were scores of these scorebooks Tell me you in the basement. Them. No, one of my uncles got them. Oh. And you know, I got my first taste of how ugly. You know, wills and last and, and testaments can last testaments can be because I was like, I want that. I don't want anything else. I want it, but no. One of my uncles got it, and I hope he's taking good care of him. But that was really cool. But I digress. The ADD has kicked in. I won at this game throwing, and I was seven years old probably, so I was throwing the ball. I don't know, fifty-two miles an hour or something, almost as slow as you can throw a ball. Actually, I had a pretty good arm when I was a little kid, but I had all kinds of Reds gear. That was passed down from my uncles and, and all the rest of that. So I had Reds t-shirts. I had Reds caps. I had Reds everything. And I had a couple of Reds plastic batting helmets. You remember when plastic batting helmets were the thing? Right? Oh, yeah. Um, you could get away with wearing those just about anywhere when you were a kid, just like they were a, you know, a canvas ball cap. Well, I had several of those. And I was looking at the options there. And it is Midwest you know, so Kings Island services, Indiana, Illinois, mm. all the rest of that. What did Chris do? No, you did not. Do I did not. I got a Cubs helmet. No, and I only got it because it had a C on it. Oh, and I was like, "That's cool." And I, I, you know, I was, I knew what I was doing, but I put that hat on and I wore it the rest of the day. I hope your grandma took you out back with a switch. She did. She didn't take me anywhere because she would not let me come into her house. Thank you. I love your grandma even more. I had to go put that helmet on the back porch <laughs> and come back around to the front to be God let into the her. house. She literally would not let me in the house with a Cubs helmet. I told my daughters, and they were both born in Illinois, if they ever were Cubs merch, they would not be allowed in my house. And I'm a Mets fan. I don't understand why the seven-year-old Chris didn't pick a pirate's helmet, because then it's a P no. for Panther. Well, but here's the thing. Well, that's see, that's thinking, but it would have had to been Phillies because the Pirates were the Reds' arch enemy. Oh yeah, at the time. I know, but still, the it's Pirates a P. were dominant in the East. The Reds were dominant in the West. They Phillies would have been good too. They kept meeting in the you know in the in the uh, league championship series. Yeah, I guess that wouldn't have been good. And uh, no, Pittsburgh, I was hated. In fact, the first game I remember being at was a Pittsburgh game. Um, it was actually rain delayed. We ended up there till like 2 a.m. And then they called the game and gave rain checks for the next day. And my family was like, dude, we don't roll like that. We can't come back all the way to Cincinnati to see another game. So whatever. But that's my story about Grandma. Huh. Um, and I have no idea where that started and where we were before that. It was that. for the uh, teams that are playing right now, the Panthers. Oh, got it. Prairie View A&M. See how that works? That's and then, my uh, brain. Fairfield Dickerson. Farley Dickinson. And I said it was uh, it was named after Emily Dick Dickerson, which she was born in New Jersey, and I was right. 
You're welcome. It America. was named after Emily Dickinson. Are you kidding me? And she was born in New Jersey. But you just made that up. You did not know that it was named after Emily Dickinson. No. <laughs> and I had no idea. I don't know where she's born. Was she born in? So I have wait, no wait, idea. Wait, wait. The whole uh, thing was a. I was just joking for television. You just ruined my cred. Thanks. Oh. Thanks a lot. Wow. Fail. All right, so I figure since we're a week away, we have to do the first two rounds. Yes. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through this real quick. I've got Gonzaga into the Sweet 16. I think they're going to beat Syracuse in the second round. I've got Murray State beating Florida State to get to the Sweet 16. Ooh, I've got yeah. Murray State in the Sweet 16. I'm going to say this, though. If, and, and I know it will screw my bracket up and I just don't care because I refuse to get excited about brackets. If Florida State beats Murray State, Florida State will get to the Final Four. What? Yes. That's what I'm saying. But since I have Murray State knocking them off, I have Buffalo beating the winner of the Arizona State-St. John's playing game. So do I. I have Texas Tech, who just a week ago was the sexy pick to be a Final Four team, shot themselves out of the Big 12 tournament. Of course, everybody looked kind of bad in the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. Except Iowa State. Did you know Iowa State won a Big 12 tournament? No. I thought Kansas did. Yeah, I know you did think that. I'm glad I set you straight, though. Texas Tech, Buffalo is the most underseeded team in this tournament. They're a six seed. They're a six seed. They're not underseeded. Yes, they're underseeded. If you look at the six seed, that means that there are 20 teams, five by four, that are better than Buffalo. Yes. There are not 20 teams better than Buffalo in the country. Well, you know Buffalo who is. Right now Texas is the number, Tech is. Buffalo is the number 14 team in the country right now, and it's well-deserved. Yeah, well. They should have been a three or a four seed. This is ridiculous that they're a six. They are going to be your final four team out of the West. Ow. I'm telling you right now. C.J. Massenburg is the best player in the country nobody has seen play. Well, we said we were only going to do the first two rounds, and you're wrong because Texas Tech will be advancing against my upset. I have Florida beating Nevada. Florida, Nevada finished weak. Yep. Nevada was a team that was, you know, every, all eyeballs on early in the season. Really, really petered out down the stretch. I've got Florida coming out of that game as well. And Michigan. I got Michigan beat Montana. No no 15 – or uh, my spectacles. No 15-2 upset there. No. Michigan cruises past Montana. I've got Michigan beating Florida. So do I. Okay. So we've got – all right. So my sweet 16 out of the West – Gonzaga, Murray State, Buffalo, Michigan. And I've got Gonzaga, Florida State, Texas Tech, and Michigan. Oh, my God. We're we're only hitting. The only thing we agree on is Michigan. Yep. And it pains me just a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. So we're 50-50. 50-50. Cool. Brandon Atkins, give you any notes there? Brandon Atkins uh, in his Sweet 16 has Michigan. That's all I know. (laughs) Because he only gave me his final four. And his championship. All right, picks. so there you. The, the one thing you can take away from this is that all three of us have Michigan have in the Sweet Michigan 16. Michigan into the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. Cool. Where are we headed next? Let's go Navigator. to the Midwest. The Midwest. Yes. Midwest. I've got a lot of chalk here, brother. A lot of chalk. It looks like I do as well. In the top half one. of that bracket, you've got North Carolina, North Carolina, Iona. I've got UNC coming out of that. Washington, the nine over the eight, Utah State, but that's a that's a pick. I'm going to make a big statement, and I've never said this before. Watching yeah. UNC and Duke this past weekend, UNC is 
the better team. I agree. I think that they could do a lot of damage in this tournament. I do have them advancing. I have Washington upsetting uh, who are they playing? Utah State. So it's not okay. a big upset. It's a nine over an eight. Yeah, it's a nine over an eight. But I've got I've got Washington as well. But here's here's the thing I'll say about UNC. UNC has got so much depth and so much balance. They can have a player or two go cold, and they can overcome it. Yep. The one guy that's probably the closest to indispensable on that team is Kobe White. But if you subtract Kobe White and put Kenny Williams in, they can still beat ninety five percent of the teams in the country pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Luke May is the is the Oh, man, he's the exception to the rule as a big. First of all, you've got a senior that is the center of gravity for that team. But the other thing is he's a big who never gets in foul trouble. Yeah. And how many teams can you say that about? You know, anybody that's got a big that they rely on, you got to kind of watch closely because, you know, three first-half fouls, and it changes everything. Luke I'm, May never gets into that kind of Luke trouble. May being the best six-man on Purdue is a hell of a <laughs> hell of a player for Carolina. <laughs> Yes. Yes, he is. All right. So we've got UNC over Washington in the next round to get to the Sweet 16. We agree on that? I agree. All right. Bet. Into the second half of that group, I've got Auburn, who probably is a little underseated as well. As a five, Auburn is the hot, is might be the hottest team in the country right now. Um, they have a lot of matchup problems. I like Auburn a lot, and I hate that they have to run up into UNC. Uh, I don't. I think they're perfectly seated because they have to run into Kansas, potentially, Kansas. and UNC. And here's the thing. This is the reason why they seated them like that. They have two opportunities to make sure Auburn doesn't win the championship because it's going to be taken away in a few years. Yeah, so. Chuck Person from his jail cell is like plotting. Bruce Pearl, you're dancing around, that. hooping dude, and hollering how, and screaming and driving this, me this, nuts. This dude, is, this dude has nine lives. You will be back on ESPN within two years. And and that ought to be part of his punishment is that he cannot be on camera. This guy, come on, man. He's a freakazoid. Anybody that pretends they don't know. And, you know, I know that the Auburn alums in the boosters, when they pushed to get Bruce Pearl hired, were like, yeah, we know it's probably going to end up in the death penalty, but we'll take what Bruce can deliver in the short term. No, they said, on, man. well, they haven't taken away our championship with Cam Newton <laughs> yet, so let's get Pearl and get another one. I like it. I like it. And I think you're right, man. They've got Kansas. I do think they get by, keep by Kansas. I think so, too. But, but folks at home, don't sleep on Kansas. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I have seen Kansas on particular nights look like the best team in the country. Yep. And then I've seen them look like they can't beat anybody. So, we'll finish that thought. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. 
All right, welcome back. We're breaking down the Midwest. We're down to Ohio State, Houston, or excuse me, Ohio State, Iowa State. Um, I think that in my head, I know there's very little chance Ohio State gets past Iowa State. I could not bring my pen to write Iowa State getting out of that first round. No matter what, you had to write state, and you just couldn't do an I. You had to do four letters started as I O W A and turned into O H I O. Um, I've got Ohio State at the 11-6, and, and, you know, one of these 11s is going to win. Why not Ohio State? But Iowa State is a good ball club. I'll tell you, man, Ohio State, why not, is because they've been horrible their last seven games and lost six of them. So. However, comma, the stretch that they went on was minus Caleb Wesson for three of those games, yeah. and they lost all three of them. Caleb Wesson is one of the top ten big men in the country. He is back. He is at full strength. We'll see. I don't know, man. They got I, I rid of the potato nose. Team. They got rid of the potato nose Thad Mata, and uh, that's the end of Ohio State. Um, I, I think Iowa Chris State. Holtman. Chris Holtman's good. Um, speaking of which, I hate that Brandon's not here because I don't know if you saw this right before we came in. Um, the UPI Coach of the Year was announced. Who won? Roy. Yes. No. I swear to God. Wow. And we spend a lot of time talking about how, you know, these these coaches, him and Kay, a couple others, you know, they're just left out of that. But, yeah, National Coach of the Year. So, good job, Roy. Congratulations. Yeah, and well-deserved. I mean, it's a great – even the most hardcore Tar Heel fan this year had no idea they could get to this. Absolutely. To these heights. Absolutely. And, yes, there's a little assist with from Nike with Zion blowing his shoe out. But don't take anything away from what UNC's done. They started the team. This was supposed to be sort of a rebuild year. Let Nas <coughs> Little and Kobe White get a year under their belt and see what they got. For this team to have played out of their skin their way they have, for my money, they're the second best team in the country. And if they win a national championship, I'm not going to be shocked. I really, thought they great, should have been the great, number one overall. Job. Um, Number one no, overall. not after Duke won the tournament. Yeah, no. um, I've got Houston over Georgia State, and then I got Houston beating Ohio State to get to the Sweet Sixteen. And this one, this is the one matchup on here that I had to look at like fifteen times to make sure I was seeing it correctly. Wofford is a seven playing Seton Hall. This is a ten. <laughs> now you're talking about a Pirates team from Seton Hall that you know has national pedigree. This has been a legit program for a very long time. They've fallen on hard-ish times. I mean, they're still in the tournament. But for Wofford to be a seven and have the superior seed here against Seton Hall, where Wofford generally is a team when they make the tournament that, you know, is in a playing game or they're a 13 or a 14, um, I had to adjust my vision for that. Well, Seton Hall is playing in the Big East. The Big East isn't very strong this year. No, it's not. Wofford is one of the best shooting teams in the country. I got Wofford easily past Seton Hall. Me too. But sadly – they got to run up into UK in that next game. UK gets past Abilene Christian into the second round. UK cruises past them. I I disagree on that really? with you. I have Wofford upsetting them. No I way. think UK, their mentality is going to look ahead to their Iowa State matchup or Houston matchup, and these guys are going to be cocky enough. Wofford almost beat UNC. Wofford's got some quality wins out there. They're not. They're they're gonna play. This is it. This is their championship. Well, don't forget, two years ago, Wofford upset. did beat UNC. Yeah. So but, they're gonna beat. They're gonna take down Kentucky. That's my big wow. shock. Okay. I mean, that would be as big an upset, I think, as any. And it's not because it's a seven-two. 
It's because it's Wofford, who is not a, a basketball school when you think about it. So I'm, I'm pulling for it. I hope it happens. No no, uh, no offense to my friends in Lexington. So I got UNC, Auburn, Iowa State, and Wofford. Let's see, we're 50-50 again. I got UNC, Auburn, Houston, UK. Atkins got anything to say about the Midwest? All I can say about that is I know that Atkins is shocking the world. And this prediction is brought to you by... Cooper's Restaurant and Wine Room open today in lovely downtown Sanford, North Carolina. 133 South Steel Street. Take your baby blue off and put on your wildcat. He likes Kentucky in the Midwest. Wow. Yep. Shocker. Wow. I'm baffled. Yep. All right, but you skip past Sweet 16. So I've got UNC, Auburn, Houston, UK. We're 50-50 again. Which ones do we agree on? Uh, UNC and uh, Auburn. Okay, cool. That's it. So, all right. Like so this. we move. Like this. Let's go south. Let's go to the south. All right. I've said almost all year that if Virginia, unless the wheels came off, Virginia was a Final Four team. Um. I've got them, and I'm going to save what I've got happening until next week after this. But I do have UVA into the Sweet 16. I see them getting past Ole Miss in the second round. I got uh, I got you. I think Virginia is the team that is like, we are going to make amends from last year and prove what we should have done last year. I have them beating Oklahoma to get into the Sweet 16. Okay, so we both got Virginia going into the Sweet 16. And then in the bottom Half of that eight pack. Yeah, I have Oregon beating Wisconsin. Quack quack. So do I. Wow. Wisconsin is the coldest team going into the tournament, and I think the Ducks will uh, run by them. The the beef I've got with Wisconsin this There's year. There's my other twelve. Everything pick. at 12 Wisconsin seed. goes through Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ, three time All Big Ten player, seventeen and a half and ten. I mean, he's a great ball player, great college ball player. Oregon. Decimated by injuries this year. First of all, if Bull Bull hadn't got hurt in Week Nine, Oregon is probably a potential Final Four team. Mm-hmm. They're that good. Ken, then Kenny Wooten breaks his jaw, misses significant time, then comes back and plays with the mask. They're hot, mm-hmm. and it was no fluke that they won the Pac-12 tournament. Everybody had just given up on the Pac-12. They cruise to the Pac-12 championship, come in as a 12 seed. Can you imagine that? The Pac-12 champion coming in as a 12. I mean, if you just said that a couple years ago, I mean, it's bananas. The Pac-12, and Bill Walton loves to call them the Conference of Champions. No, it's the conference that can't get any respect. They can't get a team into the BCS. Um, they can't get a team. Uh, you, you're looking at a conference that there was a legit chance was only getting one team into the tournament. They have they, a play-in game yeah. and a 12 seed, so they have an 11 seed. So that's another one where their conference, their Tournament champion is lower than what, what is the playing game. That's ridiculous. Crazy. Um, anyway, Oregon's in there. I think Oregon gets past Wisconsin and wins that 12 5. Then I've got K State chalk against UC Irvine, but I have Oregon into the Sweet 16. Wow. Okay. I have uh, K State very motivated after getting embarrassed and not winning. Yes. So they're going to the Sweet 16 against Virginia. Okay. And in the bottom half of the South, I've got Nova over St. Mary's, um, and it's all because of Jay Wright. 
Jay Wright is too good a ball coach to get to let that slow down snail pace St. Mary's team beat him. I think Nova gets past St. Mary's and what probably is a good game. And then Purdue, who hasn't gotten any respect all year. Never. I think Purdue gets into the second round, but I've got Nova beating them to get into the Sweet 16. That was one of the hardest picks for me because that Purdue team, they got something to prove. These are the two hardest games that it took me the longest to pick. I really wanted to pick St. Mary's to upset Villanova, but I didn't. And Old Dominion, man, they're just people you don't talk to. They're always there. They're a tough. They've got a great big. They match up very well with Purdue. This is going to be an exciting game. I'm going to give some love to my uh, home state of Indiana. Purdue will win and go to the next round against Villanova. But... Purdue's going to be Purdue, and Villanova is going to uh, knock them out. All right, so we both got Villanova in the Sweet 16. Yep. Last grouping down there, I've got Cincinnati over Iowa. Cincinnati is a team that could get hot and surprise a lot of folks. I don't think they're going to. I think that Tennessee matchup in the second round is tough for them. Tennessee's a really good ball club. I've got Tennessee as my last team into the Sweet 16 out of the South. What do you have? Me too, Tennessee. Tennessee beating the Bearcats. I want to say this because I had a whole rant ready for today because I thought I knew what was going to happen. I thought Tennessee would beat the brakes off Auburn in the SEC championship, and then the committee was going to screw them and give them a two seed, and Gonzaga would be a one in spite of the fact that Tennessee beat them in the regular season, and Tennessee plays in a real conference, not St. Mary's and the Seven Dwarfs. Tennessee blew it. I think, though, watching that game and taking that in, I think it's a testament to how hot Auburn is and not necessarily a knock against Tennessee. The other thing is these guys are human. That Kentucky game was a big deal for Tennessee. The chance to take down the perennial champs in your conference, big man up on the mountain, they knocked them off. And I just don't think they had any gas left in the tank. Everyone thought Kentucky would be a one seed if they if won Kentucky had won the tournament, they would have been. Yep. And and I said that all week. You guys got tired of hearing it. LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, whichever of those three had won that tournament, I thought deserved to be a one. LSU goes out. Kentucky gets beat by Tennessee. Tennessee, it's there for the taking, and they blew it. Yeah. But again, that's no knock on the Vols. I think Auburn's that hot right now. But I think Tennessee bounces back. They're a team that's very athletic. I think that having the day off between the first and second round of the NCAAs plays into their favor. There's some other teams that favors as well. Um, I have Tennessee getting past Cincinnati into the Sweet 16. Um, really love what Rick Barnes has done down there. I I agree. I love what Rick Barnes has done. And uh, if I had to pick somebody to sail my ship on, the Admiral would be a perfect player to uh to do that him Isn't and grant cool williams name? so not that a cool name yeah admiral schofield i was dude. i was in the army with two different guys named colonel <laughs> the first of whom was colonel b spivey Ooh, does that not sound like name. a does, it was like a chicken chain or i don't know but he told me his name and i'm like you're making that up dude no he really was and i was like you ought to go to ocs man you could be colonel colonel but it didn't work out all right so I think we're four for four, hundred percent. I got UVA, Oregon, Villanova, Tennessee. Oh, I got Virginia, Kansas State, Villanova, Tennessee. All right, but we're we're getting closer. We're getting there. 
All right, 75% there. We got the East. All right, the East. Now, let me let me start by saying Michigan State got hosed. Michigan State with the Tennessee loss was the best – that had the best argument of anybody in the country to be a one seed. Yeah. Which in my eyes means they were the best of the five seeds. But the tournament – or the best of the two seeds, which – the tournament committee doesn't necessarily take into account. And that's pretty obvious. I'll tell you why on the other side of the break. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats and watching us all over the world. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to the final half hour from the Cheap Seats. Coming to you from Sanford, North Carolina. Chris DeLambert, Trent Nichols today. No Brandon Atkins. He is too busy standing up Cooper's Wine Room and Restaurant. I can't wait to go over and check the place out, dude. I mean, folks that know that location and what it's been previously are not going to recognize it when they go in. In fact, I may go over there and have a drink. You want to go have a drink before we go home? No, maybe, yeah. Yeah, we should do that. That's a good idea. the crowd's like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't think of that before. I need to go make a reservation anyway. All right, so we're into the East, and in this first round – I just knew leading up to Selection Sunday that I was going to be able to pencil in North Carolina Central, and that would be my crazy pick because you got to have one of those. Yeah. Getting at least to the Sweet 16. And I know you kind of raised your eyes when I when I, I told you I had Buffalo into the Sweet 16. I think Buffalo is a legit team, and I'll talk about them a little bit more in, in, in a while. But that was going to be my crazy pick with Central going into the Sweet 16 because – those guys play literally across the street from where I attend school. Um, I'm at the law school. The gym is legitimately next door. Hmm. So um, that's not going to happen. They'll beat North Dakota State in the playing game, and then Duke will destroy them. Yes. Um, not fair that the the uh, selection committee put them in there. And the other part of that is Duke and NC, NC Central play each other each year. So that's really not fair because it's familiarity it's not a big deal for central to play duke they play them every year yeah lame. um so it's not uh, yeah thanks committee you're awesome lame. um i've got vcu over central florida and this is the 
first game that I'm going to admit, I have no idea about either one of these teams. I haven't seen either one of them play. Didn't look up anything. I just went with Virginia Commonwealth just because. Yeah. Um, I did because of because uh, of a smart. Shaka Smart. Yeah. Even though he doesn't coach there. I was going to say like, Shaka yeah. Smart's been gone for years. but That's Okay, whatever. So I'm taking, I'm taking VCU there. Now, in the next game, this one is actually well thought out. Liberty sort of plays Virginia light. They're a tough matchup. Okay. They're going to come out there. They're going to play defense. Play, they're going to take the air out of the ball. Mississippi State, I think, is overseeded because of they're coming out of the SEC and they just got kind of kind of sucked up in the vacuum of the rest of the SEC teams. I don't love Mississippi State. I think Liberty has, is ripe. Or I guess Mississippi State would be ripe for the pick. And I think Liberty gets them there and shocks the world. That's a 12-5. I got another 12-5. Wow, that's three 12-5s. I know. I know. And that one and, – and this one – look – there so are some you picks here. My rules. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to something here in a little bit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show you where my crazy pick comes going to the Sweet 16. This is not that. My 12 fives. I legit feel good about Marquette, Oregon, and Liberty against Mississippi State. Liberty is the weakest of those. The other two, I would lay money on Murray State um, and Oregon if I got any points at all, and I may. Who knows? You know, gambling. Hey, you get four you like with. Marquette's favored minus four. I might, I might, I might, I might, might, might do something with that. Just saying. Um, I have Mississippi State winning. Okay, fair enough. I've got Vatek over St. Louis. Vatek. I don't know a lot about St. Louis. I do know oodles about Vatek. Vatek is a good ball club. Yes. Um, and Vatek. It's a doggone shame that if they get through the first two rounds, they've got to play Duke again. I, I don't love the way this bracket's built. Um, but I've got Vatek over Liberty and then into the Sweet 16. So Duke, Vatek, what do you got? I got uh, Duke and VCU and Duke obviously dismantling them. They're in the Sweet 16. Mississippi State and Vatek. I will tell you this about Virginia Tech. They are the second slowest team. Yes, they are. In the, in the NCAA next to Virginia. Yes. Don't sleep on Vatek. Unfortunately... I have Mississippi State beating them, going to the uh, Sweet 16 against Duke. Well, here's the crazy thing about Vatek. But if Vatek goes against Duke, that could be the first upset right there. Here is the crazy thing about Vatek is they play the same slowdown type game that Virginia does. Yeah. I'm not sure when you look at them man for man that they don't have better athletes than Virginia does. Blackshear would be a legit player of the year candidate in most conferences. He's in the ACC, which is the best conference in the world. Um, missing the point guard is going to hurt Vatek. Yeah. Um, th- that will be one of the stories as to whether he's able to make a comeback. But I've got Vatek running up into Duke in the Sweet 16. Vatek, if they get him there, will give Duke hell. They're not going to be intimidated. They know Duke inside and out. They will play them tough. But we'll see what happens. So Duke and Vatek in the top half. In the bottom, I've got Maryland over the over the play-in winner from Belmont Temple. I wouldn't be surprised if if Belmont gets in there. If Belmont beats Maryland, yeah, because Maryland is probably the worst team in the tournament right now. You really think so? They are so yeah. They, they ended it, flat. Yeah, that's for they sure. Are so it's so tough right now. But I have them moving on. All right. Um. You know what? 
I'm going to roll with my gut. I'm going to keep Maryland there, but I like Belmont in that game. Yeah, me too. It would not surprise me. Now, I, here's the thing. I needed a crazy pick to get to the Sweet 16. I couldn't pull the trigger on Central. I'm looking at LSU, and here's the thing with LSU. is 30 years ago, Steve Fisher took Michigan to a national championship. Bill Frieder, for those of you who don't remember, Bill Frieder was the coach at Michigan, and he is the guy that history has forgotten. Bill Frieder elected to leave Michigan to go to Arizona State to be the head coach, which is the ultimate insult to a school like Michigan. I remember when Gary Williams left Ohio State to go to Maryland. He is a demon in Columbus. Dude, you can't leave one of those schools for another school calling yourself taking a better job. Yeah. So when he announced that he was going to Arizona State, Bo Schimbeckler was the AD at the time, said, dude, pack your stuff and get the hell out of here. And fired him, essentially. But told him, yeah, there's no reason for you to stick around. You can go on out to Arizona State and get a get a, a, a head start on this. Back then, the Big Ten didn't play a tournament. So the end of the regular season comes. Steve Fisher, who was an assistant on that team, is anointed, named head coach. Michigan went on to win the championship. After having a pretty lackluster season, they were okay. They were good. Went on a run under Steve Fisher. Steve Fisher secured himself a place in the Hall of Fame later on in his career. But that's where Steve Fisher's run as a head coach began. Yeah, Kind of bananas how things come around. 30 years later, Benford – what's his first name? I don't remember. Um, LSU is playing under an interim coach. Will Wade, indefinitely suspended. And I love that the crawler keeps coming across on ESPN, Fox, and CBS Sports. Will Wade says he wants to coach LSU. Well, I want to coach LSU too. <laughs> and guess what? I'm not going to get to. Yeah. The, the school will not reinstate him because he hasn't even agreed to be interviewed by the school, let alone anybody else, about what's happened with this payola scandal and the FBI tapes. Will Wade is done. Yeah. Done, done, done. Two years, bye. Wouldn't it be something if 30 years later an interim coach takes a team to a national championship? And LSU's got the horses that they could do it. So all of that said, I'm taking Yale in the first round. <laughs> I'm taking Yale as the, as the 14 to beat the three-seeded LSU team. I think LSU's in disarray. Boom. They're not the same Scott squad without Will Wade. There's got to be some finger-pointing going on in the locker room. I think it's a bad matchup. And Yale, here's the reason why. And I had to come up with a reason they were going to make this happen. Yale shoots as a team 37% from three. Yeah. If they get hot, they can beat LSU. What do you think? Oh, I I will have to agree with you. I think Yale is a great pick to uh, pick off LSU. Unfortunately, I will not go. It ain't gonna happen, huh? No, they're gonna go and play Maryland and beat the socks off of Maryland and uh, end up in the Sweet 16. All right. Well, I got Yale versus LSU, and then I agree with you about how bad Maryland is. I'm gonna roll with Yale into the Sweet 16. Wow. The Ivy League makes an appearance oh. in the Sweet 16 for the first time in it's a like, gazillion years. Like Princeton of old. Yeah, right? And 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 I'm going to tell you, most teams in the NCAA don't have a player that shoots 37% from three. They shoot 37% as a team. Hmm. 
That's some shooting. You know they play heady ball. We'll see. If they get cold, lights out. Yale is my bracket buster. All right, in the uh, ironic game, oh, Louisville man. versus Patino. Dude, isn't it? What it's crazy how this works out. And this is the tournament trolling the Come Patino family. Yep. So Rick Patino's son is the head coach at Minnesota. Yeah. He draws Louisville. Hilarious. Where his dad left dis- in disgrace in the first round. How do you think Rick feels about this game? Oh, I think he's pissed. You think? I think he's rooting for his son. Of course he is. I mean, he's got to be pulling for his son. I think Minnesota gets by him. I think Minnesota beats uh, Louisville. Minnesota's not traveling very far. It's a gut feeling. What do you think? I'm going... uh... I'm going with Louisville. You want Louisville? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know Doesn't if that's matter, going because Michigan State's going to come down, beat the brakes off of Bradley, and then Michigan State's going to cruise into the Sweet 16. Yes. They will be facing LSU in the uh, Sweet 16. Yeah. Now, what I said earlier, or, or began to say, Michigan State got hosed. Duke was the overall number one team in the tournament. Michigan State was the only team that didn't get a one that had a legitimate argument to be a one seed. That should have been taken into account. They should have got a weaker draw in terms of the one they were playing against. I think Michigan State deserved to be down there with Gonzaga, but what do I know? I've got, and just to get ahead, we'll we'll talk about the next two rounds next week, but I've got Michigan State and Duke in that Elite Eight game. You asked me earlier what my game plan would be if I had to step Zion Williamson in the tournament. Yeah, what would it be? Okay, this is what this is your options. All right. You can do whatever it takes, use all of your bench and foul the heck and rattle Zion. Or you can let Zion do whatever he wants to do and stop everybody else. What's my game plan? That's a recipe for disaster. Let Zion go crazy is the wrong answer. I'll tell you what the right answer is on the other side. we got one segment left. Thanks for hanging out with us from the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Queremos todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back. Final segment, two hours, man. It feels like a marathon sometimes. I thought it went pretty quick. It's like running the 400 meters, man. You come into that last turn and you're just done. Your legs just die. Um, I'm glad I make you feel like that. Yeah, right. Michigan State, if I were them or anybody else and I had to run up against Zion, there's no way I'm letting Zion get loose. And the reason for that is Zion's not just a guy that's going to beat you and score 35 points. The problem you have if Zion gets loose is the things he's going to do on the way to scoring those points 
will energize an entire building and his entire team. I mean, when he dunks and has got his nuts hanging off of somebody, the bridge of somebody's nose, everybody else around him is going to play at a higher level. I would play zone exclusively. I would deny the ball to Zion and make Duke shoot over top. And if Cam Reddish and Trey Jones and R.J. Barrett can hit enough threes to beat me, so be it. I would deny the ball to Zion in the post. As soon as he touched it, I would hack the hell out of him and make him beat me from the line. I wouldn't care if that dude shot 40 free throws. He would have to beat me from the line. I would not let that dude get out on the break. I would slow it down, try to control the ball, limit the number of possessions, deny the ball to Zion, put him on the line. I will tell you this right now. Ever since I got to be a part of the brotherhood, anointed by the great Robert Bricky. The great Robert Bricky. I'm going to say one thing. If Cam Reddish plays a lot of minutes, Duke is not going anywhere. I am sorry. Please go to the NBA and be horrible because you are not worthy of what you are projected. You, son are reading your own hype, and you have a lot of work to do. Everything that goes wrong with Duke is because you touch the ball. Absolutely atrocious. Wow. Put the senior back in. I mean, let he's him a play. kid. I'm not going to come at him like that. Wingate or whatever his name is, the other guard, he needs to play more. Goldwire. Goldwire. Uh, here, here's the thing. Cam Reddish came in with this – you know, it was these three guys plus Trey, Trey Jones. These four freshmen came in, and it's a testament to the fact that basketball recruiting is an inexact science. Cam Reddish is not in the same stratosphere as Zion Williamson and is not near the player R.J. Barrett is. Cam Reddish came in with a lot of hoopla and all the rest of that. Cam Reddish, at this point in his life, is a very one-dimensional basketball player. And in that one dimension, which is shooting the ball – is erratic at best. Yeah. I think Cam Reddish, Cam Reddish to me looks like he should have been recruited by UNC and Kobe White should be playing for Duke right well, now. Well, that's the that's the crazy part about it. Is Kobe White comes in as a relatively unheralded prospect. You could make a case Kobe White should have been player of the year in the ACC. Absolutely. And UNC fans, as much as they love Kobe White, they're all groaning a little bit. Because nobody expected this kid to be gone after this year, <laughs> and now he—that's what's going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, hey, I you mean, never know. It's, it's an inexact science. The other piece of that too is even the real talent evaluators in those college locker rooms, the Coach K's and Calipari's and and Roy Williams, they know what they're doing. It's the internet trolls that don't. It's I've, I've said this before with college basketball and college football in particular. It's a completely copycat. When one scouting service, and I say scouting services, they're not scouting services. They're internet blog sites. Post a doggone scouting report on a guy like Cam Reddish. Nobody else that's running these sites has seen these guys play. They've seen some mixtapes or something like that, but they go and they copy and paste the scouting report and they change a few words, and these guys – names just continue to climb these boards and they become one of the top you know four or five prospects in the country it's a ridiculous notion that we sitting at the house 
think we have enough information to make judgment and say, well, this guy's the number one recruit in the country. This guy's the number two recruit in the country. It's nonsense. Zion, and, and, and proof positive, Zion Williamson is by far the best player in the country. He was number two. He was number two. So, but here's the deal. I'm not really that low on Cat. I mean, he makes he makes he mistakes. And honestly, I think if they can afford it, if they have room, maybe he should stay another year to help his draft stock. Oh, because I think playing another year, up, brother, would if, be really good. If Reddish for Cam played Reddish. another couple years at Duke and developed his all around game. I mean, he could be a top three or four pick in the league. he has flashes of being really good. Absolutely. But he's making a lot of silly mistakes. Yes. It's the it's the basketball IQ part. Um, he doesn't really effectively very often put the ball on the floor. And he's a, he, it would be the best I could say he's a willing defender. He's not a good defender. He's no. got the length, though, and the talent. And if he stayed in, in that program for another year with Coach K – through an entire offseason, Reddish should be an amazing player. I honestly, it's not my money I'd be leaving on the table. If R.J. Barrett came back next year and played the one or the two exclusively, he might be the first player taken next year. He's not going to. He's he going to come into the into the NBA draft, and he'll be a lottery pick. And it's going to depend on where he lands. If he winds up in a, in, in a situation where he can play, He'll play himself into a pretty good pro, and he may even – I think he's got all-star potential. He's years away from that, though. Um, if he goes somewhere and winds up buried on somebody's bench or win, winds up with a with a with an organization that Who, doesn't know how RJ to Barrett? develop – Yeah. Oh. If he winds up with an organization that doesn't know how to develop players, who I mean, the guy could disappear. Um, the, the interesting – one of these guys, and I've I've tried on a couple of occasions to ask and get a straight answer to this question, and haven't. I'd like to know with Trey Jones how his brother Tyus's experience has affected his outlook on going into the NBA. The thought process all along with all four of these guys, they were going to be one and done, go to the NBA. Trey Jones should go undrafted. I don't think that he I, I, his brother's a better ball player. Um. He's a little bit bigger, maybe, a little bit longer, maybe even a little bit more athletic, but he is not the same heady ball player that his brother was. And his brother sat buried on a bench until this year and is finally getting some playing time, and he's not setting the world on fire. I want to know how Tyus Jones' experience impacts Trey's outlook on things. Trey Trey Jones, if he would stay at Duke for a couple years – could be one of the great point guards in that school's history. And you're talking about, you know, Wojciechowski, Bill, Bobby Hurley, you know, Johnny Dawkins, great guards that have come Jay Williams. That. Yeah. Um, he could be in that mix, but I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to come out. I think he sh- I think he will, too. I think he should stay at least another year. Both those guys could afford, for their money, I think they need to stay. Well, we, the only time's going to tell. Um, I don't know what kind of recruits they have coming in. I know they have the number one recruiting class again coming in. It's ridiculous, but just think Duke. I'm going to throw a thought out there, and I'm going to give you a week to think about it. And I want to—I want you to meet me back here, and we'll talk about this more a week from now. I might be busy that. Day. But there is a lot of talk about 
the NBA and Adam Silver changing the rules so that there is no age restriction on players entering the NBA draft. Yeah, it's supposed to go to 18 next yeah, year. Yeah, I think it's a bad idea. No, it's not 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 next year. They're, they're looking 2021. Here's what I'll tell you. I don't think that's a great idea. Here is my fix for the one and dones. The college coaches hate it. They're like politicians now. They're out there, instead of trying to recruit a player or two to bring in the next wave of guys that are coming in to fit into a team, they're going out there trying to find their starters every year. They're on the recruiting trail. So they're like politicians. They get elected to the House of Representatives, and they're immediately raising money again. They don't get a chance to coach these guys. We've talked with Coach K, and he's like, dude, I get these guys for you know 16 practices before the season starts. He just calls them by number, yeah. not even by name. I mean, Calipari said not to, he said it the other day, but he said it a million times. I don't even talk defense until October. You know, Just getting these guys to run some sets is a challenge enough. Here's the way to fix it. I propose that the NCAA for basketball – Cap the number of scholarships at 12 per team. And once a player's been awarded a scholarship, that scholarship is spoken for for three years. So if you want to run out some one and dones, that's fine. But if they leave, you're losing that scholarship for two years. And I think, and maybe 12 is not the answer. Maybe it's 15. Wow. But if you do that, think about it. Then it becomes very strategic. And if I've got a shot to go get a Zion Williamson or an R.J. Barrett, I can go only get have one. one of them, maybe two, but I'm not going to go get Depending on what you had the years before. And you've got to have frank discussions with these kids and find kids that want to stay in school and play ball. That's my, that's my proposal. And I think it would change things dramatically and make college basketball better. But at the same time, I think it would make the NBA better. I, I firmly believe, in, and it, look no further than Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Magic and Bird saved the NBA. It went from being tape delay to primetime television with the Lakers-Celtics finals. Those guys were household names before they got to the NBA. In a day and age where there was no social media, they were icons in college basketball. They played the national championship game against each other. Michigan State gets passed. Then they take their rivalry to the NBA, wind up in the two most iconic franchises. They saved the NBA. As their careers wound to a close, Michael Jordan, who had won a national championship at UNC, was a household name, had gone to the Olympics, comes to the NBA, already a brand, we know this kid, becomes the next greatest thing. LeBron comes by, and except for the deepest of basketball fans, nobody had any idea who LeBron was. And I get that he played a game on ESPN and all the rest of that. But that stuff has become the the stuff of lore. Revisionist. I mean, we had these, you know, his name was in our head, but so was Kevin Garnett's years before. So was Kobe Bryant. Nah, Kobe was not. You've been listening to, to no, Brandon again. No, Kobe Bryant. Well, okay, here's the problem. I lived in Philadelphia well, there you at go. the time Kobe gotcha. got drafted. But Sorry. we look back and we're like, well, LeBron did. But you look at all these high school kids that came through the pipeline. Brandon and I were talking the other day. Sebastian Telfair. I don't know if you remember that name. Yeah. Sebastian Telfair was supposed to be the next great point guard, the next Isaiah Thomas. Kid flamed out of league in a couple of years. How many years did Jordan go to college? One, right? No, he was there for three years. Was he? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Isaiah so, only went one year. And Isaiah beat Patrick left Ewing after his the, freshman year. Beat Patrick Ewing in the national championship game. 
Yeah, I know. They're undefeated team. Yeah. No. But he only went one Ooh, year. What? Huh? Oh, they weren't undefeated. No, what are you Quinn talking Buckner. about? You're talking about Isaiah Thomas in yeah. Indiana. But here's my thing. That college experience, I'm not saying that it made those guys better men. I'm not saying that they, you know, learned anything in class. But what I'm telling you is, is that it gave them a chance to legitimately establish themselves as household brands that people were invested in and cared about before they got to the NBA. See, but I disagree with you. I think college well, basketball. Right. No, I think college basketball is better with one and dones because really. We have these smaller schools and the mid-majors that can make it to the Final Four. I, I don't disagree the with Butlers you. The Butlers of the world would never make it to two back-to-back championship games if we had these. If Zion had to play for three years, it would be, I mean, Kentucky. What would have Kentucky been like if Anthony Davis had to stay three years? And all those other guys that were drafted, they had that team yeah, but, that lost in the finals that five of them got drafted. Five. But here's what you're not taking into five account. And I, I don't disagree with your premise, but what you're not taking into account is if I'm Boogie Cousins coming on the heels of Anthony Davis, I'm not going to a school where I know I'm going to have to play behind him for a couple of years. You know what I mean? No. So you're not just going to keep stacking these guys. If Bagley was still at Duke... Would R.J. Barrett have come there? Who knows? Tatum. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, anyway, we hope we've gotten you enough to get through your brackets. We love you guys. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Peace! You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.